Live in Sober Day, busy living sober day. What's going on? How are you? How was your Easter? Yeah, my Easter was great. We um, went to my girlfriend, my best friend from college. We went to her. Um, uh, we went out to dinner with her and her family and her sister and her family. So it was nice. It was definitely nothing we've ever done before. Um, went to church in the morning with the kids and their father and then went to dinner with my girlfriend. So we had a great time. It was a nice day. How about you? Oh, my gosh. It's just like all your dreams are coming true. I went to church, and then I went and sat on the beach, and then we went to dinner last night, which was really fun, and then I watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> but I have a terrible <laughs> Everybody's cold. talking about Game of Thrones. It's funny. I mean, so many people I've been talking about the last couple of days. I love it. You don't watch it? I don't watch it. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Might. You might. It'll take you a little while to binge it. I can tell you that. <laughs> Well, I'm sure, but nothing like um, Grey's Anatomy, right? That's no, like an eight-year commitment. Yeah, and it's totally different than Grey's Anatomy. You know, it's like, it's you know, there's dragons and swords and knights, and you know, it's just it's just a very, very, very funny kind of show. I have to tell you. So, and not it's not a funny show. It's like a serious show, but it's not like real. You know, it's not real life because it's all you know these crazy different things like night walkers that are like these dead things that walk. Oh my gosh! But as I request, so tell me this: so how is everything been in your life? What is new? Share something new with us. Uh, what is new? Um, not a whole lot since we last talked. I did go see um, a movie on Friday night, and it's called the um, the Mustang, and it is about uh, prisoners. And it's a true story. It's a Robert Redford film, and it's a true story about these prisoners that rehabilitate um, or break, I should say, the Mustangs, the wild Mustangs that are out west. And it's a true story because the, and the, the wild Mustang conservation still does this, you know, every year, but they round up the Mustangs and some go because they're just overpopulated, so they thin out the population. But in doing so, some, you know, unfortunately go to slaughter, but then uh, a percentage of these horses, these Mustangs, go to prison. And so the people, the prisoners, um, have a program there where they um, work with, each one works with a horse, a Mustang, and breaks them so that they can be auctioned off eventually to be on farms and, and so on and so forth. But it was just a really, really great movie, and I had my wheels returning about prison and the, the service that I do and just how powerful it is for people that um, that are in prison to be able to work with these animals because it's, it's twofold. I mean, it's a you know, um, a rehabilitation for the, the animal as well as the person. It was just a great, great, great movie. Um, it's particularly great for, you know, doing what I do and working with the, the inmates, um, through AA. It just, it just made me think of how much, how much more we could do, um, with the system to help these people be, um, prepared when they get out. Um, you know, so it was just, I, I highly recommend it. It was a really, really, really good movie. My kids loved it too. And when you, so when you talk about going to see the people at the prison, what is the, what do you feel like is like 
like when they get there, I mean, are they ready to give up thinking? Do they feel like they've hit their bottom? Or how do they, what do you, like with the majority of the people that you work with, what is their, like, is this it? Like they're, they've hit their bottom? Or what is it that they're, I mean, are they all I, feeling shame in everything? Well, the the group of women that I work with now or that I go see are the, it's it's not the maximum security, so it's it's um, it, it doesn't have as much security, and it's um, and but so it's, it's still a little jail. more relaxed. Oh, absolutely! It's they're still in their prison uniforms. It's still you still walk through a metal detector. They still have their units and these you know not so nice conditions. Um, better than what I thought, but still not great at all. Um, so the only thing that's different with them is that, you know, it is just a little bit more relaxed. They're not in individual cells. They're in one, you know, bigger unit where there's the bunk beds, you know, throughout. So it's not, it's, you know, it's bad, but it's not horrible. Um, so, but, but the people that I, you know, meet with and have the meeting with are people that, for the most part, I would say 90% of them um, are, well, they, 100% of them, they're, they're some form or other, they're, you know, um, addicts, but um, drugs or alcohol, but they all, I would say 90 to 95% of them want to stay sober when they get out. Um, that is their, that, that's what they want. Um, so it's nice because they're not just trying to get out of their or their unit just to, you know, kill time. I mean, these people, they all want to get sober. And it's a challenge. It's a huge challenge for them because, you know, they don't do a lot in the system, in the in prison to help them be prepared for when they get out. Um, a lot of people go back to homes where there are still active addiction, um, you know, so it's it's really, really hard for them. But you did. But you did. Did you just say? And I just want to clarify this to everybody who's listening: that a hundred percent of the people that are there are due to drugs or alcohol. Well, the people that that are in the unit, the the unit that I'm in, um, that I go to, is considered the DUI unit. It doesn't mean that they all got a DUI, but it's the unit where they're, um, for the most part. And I'm, I'm I I might be wrong, but from what I've understood so far is that um, it, it has a, a lot to do with just drugs or alcohol. It's not, you know, they're not in there for first-degree murder or anything like that. It's it, it, it kind of all circles back to drugs or alcohol and whether they were, you know, uh, violated probation from it or stole from because of it or, you know, so it's it's that's why it's, they're not in the maximum. And it, the building next to it is the maximum, you know, um, Security, yeah, security facility. So, um, but, but they to think, have, you know, that, I, to think that 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 you know that's what happens in our country if you decide to screw up and you're going to go get locked in jail. But they're not going to help you with your disease. Do they have AA meetings there regularly? No, I mean they 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 have the commitments, but it's only once a week. And if well, for instance. Last week when I went there, they had not seen anybody since the time that I was there prior to that. So that was two weeks before that. So so two weeks they waited for, you know, and I came back um, 
fortunately, and they um, it, it's something they really look forward to, and they get a lot out of it. Um, you know, I, it's it is the format of an AA meeting, but we, you know, we it's very relaxed, and we just have a lot of conversation and talk about our situations. I always try to have, you know, one one topic to talk about so that just in case we get through our shares quickly, um, that we have something that, you know, like a conversation that we can have about a topic. Like last weekend, we talked about triggers because there are a couple of the women getting out soon. Um, I know that as early as May 9th, one of the women, uh, she's getting out. So we, we just talked about, which I thought was important to talk about triggers. Like when, when they get out, what, you know, what are some of the triggers that could, you know, um, that, that that really could prevent them from staying sober and possibly coming back to prison? And so we talked about that, and it was it was good. Um, everybody had something to say. Everybody was pretty clear about what what their triggers were. Will you give us some examples of what what their what they said their triggers were? Well, um, yeah, one one girl in particular was talking about how her brother was a trigger, um, and he, um, you know, she she had had uh, some altercations with him in the past, and he had threatened her. Um, so she was we we talked about like what she could do to prevent her even seeing him upon her release. In other words, being proactive about it, that you don't get yourself in a situation where you're actually in front of him and you know this is a trigger, this is the biggest trigger for you, so what can you do? I mean, can you go so far as to put out, you know, get a restraining order? What, What do you do? I mean, if that is a huge trigger for you, that could easily be what, what you know, results in you coming back to prison. Who knows? So um, we talked about that. We tried to, you know, um, figure out what, you know, if that is the priority right when she gets out, you know, do you go to the police station? Do you file a restraining order? That kind of stuff. And um, one of the girls we were talking and, um, and she was saying she, she was, one of the things she was most worried about was just, with relapsing was that she hadn't hit her bottom. So, and I, and I remember people saying this because the first time I went to rehab, um, I can remember thinking, you know, when they were asking me at at admissions, you know, do you drink during the day? Do you, you know, all the answers were no. I mean, everything was no, 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 no. And I just thought, well, maybe, maybe this does mean like I'm not at the bottom. And, uh, you know, uh, thinking back how crazy that is but the, this girl was talking about how she you know she was nervous she was scared because she was trying she was thinking that she was going to hit her bottom because she said the last time she was she got out of prison she said she had a really good run when she picked up again meaning that she you know it wasn't so bad um you and I always joke and you know that one saying that you know nobody's ever come back from a uh, a relapse saying, my God, that was so great. But for her, she, she, you know, it wasn't bad. And she admittedly so said it wasn't that bad. But when she was talking about it, I finally, you know, once, once she stopped talking about it, there was like silence. And I said, you know, can, can we possibly consider this your bottom? I mean, for an <laughs> addict that they can't see that being in prison 
having lost, you know, custody of her child, um, a divorce from her husband or, um, you know, a separation from her boyfriend. I'm not sure which one it was, but, but that to them and to us, anybody that's an addict, I mean, you, you, you don't see that as being a bottom when in fact, for somebody else looking in, thinking, <laughs> wait, <laughs> that is such the bottom. Like how much, how much further down do you have to go? Right. Um, the, the next is, the next you know. is death. Right, you right. Jail, because they say, yeah, jail. jail. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, now you're gonna die. And do you think that these people tell their loved ones that they have a drinking problem and that they are in that they do want to work with children? And what do you think about like their anonymity and if there is such a thing with them? I don't think so. I mean, from what from the people that I talk to, there is no. I mean, they, it seems like their their families are well aware of it. Fortunately, most of them do say that they have support. Now, not a great huge support system in terms of numbers of people, but they do have a mother that's very supportive or a stepfather that's very supportive. Or so there is, you know, there. Uh, it's it's pretty positive when you talk to them that there's nobody that really, from from my experience so far, that there's really nobody that has nobody outside of those prison walls that is you know that for that they can have a support. So that's good. But but like I said, there's a lot of people that are going back to whether they're going to um, a halfway house where you know they've they've been very vocal about. The challenge is there, and I'm saying that that's a pretty um, watered down way of saying it. But the, 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 when they go into these these halfway houses, I mean, the drug dealers know that they are very vulnerable, that they're just getting out of prison, and they give them free drugs. And so, you know, it's, I don't have to explain. What oh my then. gosh, that's terrible! So they, it's horrible. The whole thing is horrible. It's it's so depressing, but yet it just fuels you to try to do better, to try to, you know, improve on what they what they're given there. And if it means, you know, I go every week, and I and I even ask the the chaplain of the prison if I could, you know, be on call even, so that if somebody can't show up or they, you know, something happens and they can't go that had a commitment that I could go last minute, I could go there and fill in because these people need it. I mean, we're talking an hour out of a, a whole week that they, they cling on to. Um, and if they don't have it, they go two weeks, sometimes longer than that. And how is their religion? Do they believe in a God? Do you think a lot of them, do they have any form of religion in prison at all? I don't even know. I think that, well, they do. They do have Bible study there, but for from what I um, observe and hear is that you know most of them are um, they are very spiritual, and they do believe that everything you know does happen for a reason and that they are protected. I think a lot of them feel that they're grateful, um, believe it or not, to be in there because they could be dead. Um, so they do still manage to find a way to be grateful for their situation. Um, you know, they have, they, they, a lot of humor too. I mean, I was, I, I laughed so hard. My stomach hurt last time I was there because we just, you know, it's kind of trying to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons. 
um, they should certainly do a good job of that. Um, you know, they're, they're, there's not a whole lot to do. They, they clean. Uh, they clean the bathroom. One girl left that she cleans the bathroom for like six hours a day so you could eat off the floor but because there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. Oh, it's so sad, isn't it? It's so sad. And, to think that they've, and how many people are repeat offenders? A lot. A lot. A lot of people. One girl, um, she said she was out for six days and picked up and that was because she had you know she had had a little stash hidden um and you know that's that's one thing that you know that's that's a lot of people say that that they leave and I've talked about that too you know just leaving you know knowing that you have something in the house not that you're going to touch it or drink it or snort it or shoot it but you know that that it's there and there's some security in that like you know like a security blanket and having it and I I highly recommend to anybody who has this you know whatever it is tucked away get rid of it um, get rid of it, it because a security blanket and to think that they're repeat offenders and like they don't want to come back but then they come back and they're back in the same place and they don't learn anything different and that's the definition of insanity right exactly exactly I mean, what do you propose would be the best solution for, like, handling these people? I mean, what do you think it is? Well, I think that they need um, more emphasis has to be put on the support. And, and, and like I've told them, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not pushing AA on anybody. I don't. I never do. Um, but if that's, if that's where they can go initially when, when they get out, whether it's NA, AA, um, that they that they you know start to form some support system outside of whoever it is they're going home to. I mean, one of the one of the women was was nervous just to go home to her husband because um, it was just very volatile, you know, and and he didn't support her. And so, you know, for her to to know that she's going back to that, it's almost like you know, you're already kind of forecasting a relapse before you even get out of the prison. I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrible. So, I mean, if people have that, if they can push themselves to keep trying different places and not every meeting, and we've said this before, you know, it's maybe not the first, second, third meeting that you go to different meeting that you, that you like. I mean, you got to keep trying and you'll find one that you feel comfortable in that you can relate to other people and and that's it's just huge to me and and I I I am definitely a supporter of that whatever how whatever it looks like just make sure it's a support um because you need that you need that because it's so it. hard to do it by yourself I mean I could never ever do this and be I could never do you know I just never could and it's no, good I just say what's interesting is is that it's like for me I was talking about it this morning and um you know it's like planting a tree it's like you know you have a problem so what are you going to do or you're planting a plant what are you going to do you know you have this disease how are you going to handle it so it's like you have to figure out what 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 works for you is it going to meetings is it becoming really is it going to your church group is it do is but you have to have something so that you can grow spiritually. You can't do it by yourself. Like you can't just keep going back to the same well expecting something different. It has to be something totally outside of yourself. 
Yeah, and we talked about that too. Um, besides, like the triggers and what they were fearful of. I mean, we talked about, you know, the people, places, and things that they say. And I and I said, you know, I I I firmly believe that you know you can't you you shouldn't date for a year. You shouldn't you shouldn't change jobs. You shouldn't do any anything significant. You should wait a year. And it and it and they say that for a reason. Um, because you really need that time to just focus on yourself and focus on yourself and grow. Like as I with the plan, you know, analogy, it's like mm-hmm. I've got to, you know, I could be able, I have to be able to weather any storm. If I realize that I can't drink, I can't have anything trigger me that's going to make me want to pick up, right? So how am I? Right. Like if I go a year, at least I'm going to go through my first Easter. I'm going to go through my first New Year's. I'm going to go through my first Christmas. I'm going to go through my first Passover. I'm going to go through my first Hanukkah. Whatever it is that you have to get through, the first time you do it, if you, if you, that just gives you the, it just gives you more hope that you can do the next one, and you remember, oh wait, this worked for me and this didn't work for me. But right. planning so, it's so easy too, though to. And I've told you this that you know, uh, I mean, the, my first time around, you know, I did stop calling when I, when I was feeling squirrely, and it's very easy, very, very, very easy to isolate. I did it really well, and um, but the second time around, you know, as soon as I started feeling anything, feeling any bit of squirreliness or anything, that I would call you, and you know, my gosh, sometimes it only took you know less than a you know, less than a minute for you to um, talk me off the cliff, you know, it just, it it doesn't take much. And that's why last weekend I had little pieces of paper um, that I gave everybody and it had my email address, it had my phone number, you know, it had everything, any way that they could contact me when they get out. So maybe I will be that one phone call, you know, that first week they're home and they start and they feel like they don't know what to do or, have anybody to talk to I hope they reach out to me I can't you know I can't control that but at least I'm giving it to them so that they have that option well and you have so much and no one thinks they think that the the drug or the whatever the drug may be if it's alcohol if it's pills if it's weed or if it's heroin whatever it is they think that that's like the almighty like it's going to make them okay and it's going to give them freedom when it doesn't it's the exact opposite it gets you back on that like the total merry-go-round of going like okay i need more i need more i need more it's not any freedom you don't get a choice to do anything else that becomes your god it becomes your everything yeah and the one girl said she's like i just she got out and was within six days she she did um i think it was math crystal math and she she was back um, because she just wanted one one last high, one last high. She said, "That's it. That's all she wanted," and she got it. And then she also got back. She went back to prison. And she went back to prison because she didn't do anything differently. So how? So like, and giving her your number and saying, you know, you need to go to the meeting finder app. Everybody has a everybody's cell phone these days. Or find a church. It's like whatever you're gonna do, find something outside of yourself because if you don't, it's going to kill you. Mhm. It's going to kill you. I mean, the best part, and and I want to point this out about being an addict, is that you get to help other people because it's the only way other people understand. It's like as if you have gone through the same thing. So the fact that you're going in here and people are being able to see, oh my gosh, you were a drunk, and you're like, yeah, 
I was really bad and I totally get it. I get how hard it is. That is what's so important. Do you know what I mean? Is to be able to give back. It is important that like tonight I have, I don't know whether I'm going, but I'm on call for tonight that I'm going to call this afternoon and see if, you know, if anybody's committed to tonight. Cause if not, I'm getting in my car and I'm going to go. And I mean, even some of the girls, you know, one of the, the, the one that's getting out on May 9th, she was, you know, she asked me like, will you be back before I leave? You know, you get to that point where it's nice that when you go, I mean, not nice for them that they're still there, but it is nice that you can start to know these people and you know their stories and you can, you know, you can reference what you know about them and people, it makes people feel good. It makes them feel, you know, like you're listening and you're, you care. Exactly. And the shame that some people feel that they don't want to tell anybody that they're an addict and they're in sobriety. It's like, I feel like me talking about it and obviously you from everything you've said on this phone on this you know, podcast is that it gives you so much, oh my God, it makes your life so much richer to be honest and say, you know what, I've gone through this. I know what it's like. I'm going to be there to help you. Yeah, because, you know, it's, 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 it's twofold. I mean, they, they are happy that I'm there, but I'm just as happy that they're there for me. I mean, it goes both right. ways. Now, I'm exactly. no different from them. I'm just on what the, I'm on a different side of the door. That's all. Exactly, but we're all the same. We're all human beings, and loving each other, and having respect for each other, and realizing that the like it is it is going to take a little effort to change your behaviors. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is going to take effort, like you mentioned about the girl that's going to have to go to the police station and file a restraining order. I mean, that's going to take work, but doing that work is going to give you so many more rewards, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and recognizing what they are, recognizing and be honest about, being honest about what um, what triggers are. I mean, I'll just say this very quickly that, um, you know, this weekend, uh, my daughter um, had, I was, I was, I just took a little nap, and she had come in and she thought I was asleep. I, I, I was, I took a nap and then I was awake. I was watching television and it was kind of loud. And, um, my son just scraped his leg and they had called up the stairs to me and, and she came up and she was angry. Um, she, and because she said, Bryce, you know, that he hurt his leg. And, um, and then she said, you know, we, we called up here and you didn't answer. And, I thought, well, you know, sorry, you know, uh-huh. I didn't hear you. But but the truth was, it was a trigger for her. It was a trigger that, that she, I'm sure, thought about when I would be asleep, passed out, whatever, that I wasn't there for her or for him. And so I, you have to understand that. And that's one of the things that I tried to talk to them about, too, is that, the, the you know, the triggers go both ways, you know, and... Um, you know, when they get out and they are around people, you know, that they love and they start to, you know, the people around them are, don't trust them entirely yet. You know, it's just that working on not getting angry and working on not being resentful, you know, just letting it be what it is. I mean, it just has to work itself out over time. That trust just doesn't appear. Don't give up, right? Don't give up. Yeah. Yeah, the trust doesn't happen, and people get frustrated. I hear more and more people say to me, oh, my God, why aren't they – I mean, I've been sober for this long, and they still don't trust me. I'm like, because we we hurt the people that we love. 
when we're in our addiction, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, it just, and you might be the center time takes time. It takes time. But don't use that as something that makes you go out and want to go out and pick up again. Right? Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a girlfriend that her daughter for, I mean, practically a year after she got sober was still would take a sip of her coffee, would take a sip of her iced tea, would take, you know, it, it was so unnerving and so, you know, frustrating. But, you know, her daughter wanted to make sure there wasn't vodka in the drink. And there never was. But 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 that's, she she was testing because she didn't trust it. Yep. And she didn't trust her. And and she, my girlfriend, couldn't speed that time up. You know, she had to let it just play out, um, you know, until her daughter was comfortable. And you, you, there's nothing you can do. And you can get angry and so, but that will just perpetuate into something else. You know, it could be what causes people to relapse when they get so frustrated. But you just can't. You just have to let people go through you know, those feelings and get to the other side. I mean, and and time takes time, you know, that's it. Time takes time and don't give up before the miracle happens. I mean, that's something that we say in the 12 step rooms, but it's totally true. Like don't give up, don't go and just, I I, I know in the beginning it is going to be hard. I mean, it is hard. And we live in a society with a lot of drinking and a lot of drug use and all the rest of it, but don't be a casualty. Don't, continue to keep doing what you were doing just you need to try and do something different this time right you know mm-hmm. well we thank you so so much for your time today and people please write to us our friends down in Dallas I want to say hi in Texas um, you know there's a women in recovery conference that's going to be happening August 16th through 18th through in Delray Florida and I'm going to be there. In fact, I'm the hospitality chair. So please, people, sign up and come, ladies. Wheezy won't be there, but it would have been fun if she was because you could meet her too. But she won't be there, but I will be. So, um, you know, everybody. Yeah, sounds that's up. Like, that sounds like so much fun. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. So we're going to miss you. Next year, you have to come. Um, okay. But so, listeners, everybody, keep getting busy, living sober, and reach out with any topic or ideas that you'd like for us to cover. And until next week, keep getting busy, living sober. Bye. Bye, busy. Bye. Bye.